This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. This episode of the On Boys Parenting Podcast is sponsored by the Boys Alive Clubhouse. Yes, finally, there is an online retreat center for parents and teachers of boys, hosted by me, Janet Allison. I'm thrilled to be your host and your guide in this virtual community that supports you with resources, classes, real-time connections, both online and in-person. I'm also opening up the vaults and sharing my over 20 years of expertise and materials with you. No more going it alone. Together, we learn, we share, we give and receive support, and we continue the important conversations that help us all become better equipped to confidently raise caring, healthy, capable men. Enjoy the Boys Alive Clubhouse for one month free trial, go to members.boysalive.com. I'm so excited to welcome you there. That's members.boysalive.com. And now on to this week's episode. You may have already seen a photo of today's guest. <laughs> there is a 16-year-old photo of our guest, Megan Francis, that has recently circulated around the internet again, and she is wearing a hot pink dress. She looks great. Under her arm is clearly a screaming and unhappy child, and on Megan's face is this look that we all intuitively recognize, <laughs> which is basically the... Don't mess with me now. Yeah. I am at the end of my rope. I need to get this kid out of here. And I'm sure that this is why this photo has gone viral a couple times, right, It Megan? won't stop. It won't die. So the funny thing about that photo is um, it, I, re I posted it on my Facebook page. Well, I could tell the whole story if you want it quickly. Tell it. Go for it. it. Okay, so I was at a family wedding and I had at the time two boys. They were three and five and I was pregnant with my third. And it was kind of one of those like, everyone's thinking, why is she pregnant again moments? She's always already a little yeah. bit like, you know, embarrassed or like feeling a little unsure about it. And I'm at this family event and we go at, a, at my brother's wedding and I go to um, the family photo session and my two sons were just absolute jerks. I just can't, they're both were bad. Like usually the, the three-year-old, the one I'm carrying in the photo was pretty much always like that at that age. Like he threw tantrums, he you know, would be the one who would hide for me in the store and run around like a crazy, through things like he was just that kid. But my older son, Jacob, was always very calm and they both just lost it. So I'm like gritting my teeth and trying to get through this family photo session. And finally, I just like scoop my son up under my arm and like trudge off with him. And so I'm doing the march. Like you can see on my face, like oh, I yeah. got one arm kind of like propelling me and my face is set in this determined grimace. <laughs> and my stepmom caught the photo. I found it in a, like a photo box about six years ago. 
And so the picture is 16 years old. I've dug it up six years ago and I stuck it up on my Facebook page just with like a little message of, you know, everybody, everyone's kids can be like this at times. And here's the story of my son. Now he's very sweet. He's very reserved. By the time he was like seven or eight years old, he was like this completely different kid. And I posted it and I woke up in the morning and, um, my current podcast co-host that this was before we were podcasting sent me a message and she said, did you see that your photo <laughs> has kind of gone crazy? So it would have been shared like 40,000 times overnight and then it went crazy. So finally it died as these things finally do. And then it just randomly popped up again, like six months ago with some, <laughs> like my head was cropped funny. And there was like these words about carrying your kids surfboard style. Surfboard kid. Uh, yes. And then <laughs> And then that died down and then it popped up again. So it like, like every time it comes up, it has a different caption. And I find it very interesting that people's reactions to the photo are often different based on the caption that mm -hmm. people have put on it. Mm -hmm. so, so people see yeah. different things yes. in this photo. Yes. It's like a photo is worth a thousand words, but then they add six more words to tell you what the photo is actually about. And those are like, you know, <laughs> the people, so the ones that are more supportive and like, you've got this mom, I find that in general, the comments people make are also supportive. And then yeah. when it's like, if you've never carried your kid like this, you know, you're not really a mom, then it's like, I would never, that would never happen to my child. Yeah. Like, there's yeah. a lot of that. It's been a wild ride. So I'm just wondering what's going to happen next. Like right. where else is it going to show up? Well, I'm pretty sure at this point, I mean, I wish you well. I hope you have many, many, many more productive years ahead of you, <laughs> but this is going to be the photo on your tombstone. <laughs> I'm sure you're right. <laughs> I'm sure you're right. And dear listeners, do not fear. We will post this photo on the show notes. So you will be able to also see this photo. And please, if you plan my funeral, whoever is going to plan my funeral, don't put a photo on my tombstone. <laughs> All right. Megan's children, tune in, listen to yeah. this. This is her last request. <laughs> last request. No photos. For it. those of you who don't know, obviously you've learned that Megan is a wonderful person. She is a mom. She is also a podcaster. Her podcast is The Mom Hour, which you have probably also heard of as well. How many years have you been doing this? Four and a half. Wow. Yeah. It kind of makes me feel like an old, like an old veteran in podcast world. The mom hour is the one that really has taken off. And um, that's with Sarah Powers and I, and we've been doing it together for four and a half years. And she's got three kids and lives in Southern California. And so we, just like you guys, we record remotely in the comfort of our homes. You mentioned Sarah, you haven't shared yet. You have five children. I do. And four of them are boys. And I yes. believe it's your oldest four, correct? My oldest four. So the, the boys are 22, 20, 16. And the day that we're recording this, my youngest boy turned 14, is turning 14. Um, and then my daughter is 10, the only girl besides me and the cat in the house. What was that like when you finally had a girl? <clears throat> and I say finally because I am assuming that yeah. you got asked all the same stupid questions oh, that my and every other boy mom got yeah. asked. So it's interesting. By the time I finally was pregnant with number five, I had completely given up on the idea of ever having a girl. And that's interesting because with the first three, I was like, I just was sure I was going to have a girl. And then every time it turned out I wasn't pregnant with the girl, there was like a varying degree of, I don't want to say disappointment because I was always happy with the baby I got. Right. And I, now I look and I say, wow, there's these four amazing men in my house. And I can't imagine any of them being a different person, but at the time there's like a lot of 
societal pressure around having one of each or like having a balance. And then, you know, then people will pile on with like, how are you going to handle all these boys? And it became a lot. And then it finally, when I had four boys, I almost had some pride around it. Like, look at me. I'm the mom of like a house full of boys. This is cool. And what if we have another boy? That would be awesome. And then of course that's when, but when I stopped caring, (laughs) it's like the watched pot that never boils. Like when I finally stopped caring, if I had a girl, in fact, was actually kind of hoping a little bit that it was a boy. She was a girl, but everyone was so excited. All the boys were in, we had an ultrasound and we, so we found out. Oh wow! And I just remember they were all so excited to be having a little sister. So yeah. So she has kind of a coveted place. She's tough, you know, because she's the youngest and the only girl, but she's also very sweet. Like she can, she can play both sides and she gets her way a lot, (laughs) but she has to give up a lot. Like she kind of is the odd man out, odd female out a lot of the time too. So yeah, we have a kind of a special little thing going, she and I. It's fun. Aww. And the boys are great. And I loved being a mom of boys. I know, you know, you do as well, Jenny. You know, and I wonder for me, because I, I didn't have a girl at the end, and uh, I am not going to test your theory about, you know, not caring. I'm not going <laughs> to no? test okay. it. But, you know, I love being a mom of boys. And I wonder sometimes how much of that is because having boys was a good fit for me, or I've shaped myself to this because, yeah. like, this is my world me walking around pining for people who are going to cuddle up close to me while I read, that was not my reality. My reality was me sitting on the edge of the sandbox while they were, you know, pushing dump trucks. Then I could read to them. Having a lot of boys in some ways makes it easier. I remember saying like, what do you think I made you all these brothers for? Like, <laughs> go do, some, like, go go play do with them. something with them. I don't want to play matchbox cards right now. I don't even know how. I don't do it right. Like every time I do it, you guys say I'm doing it wrong. So go do that with each other. And I had a lot of times when they were little because they were in groups of two. So there was two, two years apart and then a almost four year split and, and then, then two, two years apart. So like two little sets. Yep. And, and typically when they were little, the sets kind of hung together, but then the younger and older from the sets kind of like met in the middle and they became buddies. And so they've, they've all kind of changed their closest alliances a few times. But I do remember many times having to go into my bedroom and just shut the door and say, they're not going to kill each other. The house is not going to fall down, but I just can't be there. Like, I can't be in that room right now watching whatever malarkey is happening. There's a lot of that. Yeah. I want to go back to this, not to harp on this photo or anything, but (laughs) I think it's important. And I think that our listeners would love to hear the progression more clearly because when we're in it and our boys are three and five and we're, you pulling our hair out and we think, you know, they're going to grow up to be mass murderers or something equally horrifying because they're playing with weapons all the time. You have that arc and I know Jen does too, but this arc of, yeah, he was that surfboard kid with three and now he's a man. And yeah, very responsible. So I'll tell you like, you know, Isaac was, um, and he's now 20. He was my hardest baby by far. He was hungry. Like he just ate all the time. He was very sensitive. Like if I bumped Mm. his leg against something like, you know, when you're carrying a baby and you're walking through the house and a little foot hits the door jam, he would lose his mind. Like that was just how he was wired to be very like intense and very sensitive. And 
um, when he, and he had, he taught, he uh, had a really big vocabulary very early, but it was also very physical. It was this weird combination of both. And he had a really deep voice. I remember that because he, he nursed until he was quite into his toddler years and he would follow me around the store going, I never taught him a code word for breastfeeding <laughs> because I just didn't, it didn't occur to me. And he'd be like following me around the store going, mom, mom, I want a nurse. And like this really <laughs> deep manly boy voice and I'm looking around like who, who is this kid following me like you know people already think it's weird enough and now he's talking to me like he's a 60 year old man wants a cigar or something so anyway there was a lot of that there was he he didn't respect my body though that was the other thing like he would climb right up and just like dig in or um he would throw things at me I remember one time absolutely losing my my cool and spanking him and he laughed at me and I didn't even I mean I didn't want to spank to begin with and then I had and I felt terrible and now my kid is laughing at me like laughing in my face um he would run for me in stores just when he was uh when he went to kindergarten well he got kicked out of uh karate twice when he was like five they told us not to come back. And he got kicked out of karate. He like this is an karate. Like, this is the class people tell you to put your yes, active kid in. He got kicked out. He kicked a kid in the nuts on sorry, can I say nuts? He kicked oh, a yeah. kid in the Okay. Well he It's a podcast about boys. That's right. Come on. Okay. So um on the playground, and I think the highlight was when he was going to a Catholic school and the teacher or the principal had to call me and tell me that he um, had pulled his pants down on the playground and was like running around. And he was pretty big by this point, like six, like well, way okay. old enough to know better. My Sam did that <laughs> last year in the bathroom <laughs> and I got a phone call about it. Okay. So. Well, yeah. So anyway, so this is the, this is the kind of thing I was dealing with. And sometime around seven, he just kind of turned a corner. I remember his first, uh, no, it would have been a second grade teacher telling me, you know, I'm just going to let him stand he really needs to wiggle. I'm just going to let him do that and, and let him just stand there at his desk. And I think, I don't know if that coincided with him starting to just chill out and get himself together in school. But that year I just noticed a marked difference. Um, and then after that, like he just became quieter and more reserved and like, he just has this very um, subdued and dry sense of humor that I think he almost channeled all of that young, frustrated energy mm. into that. And, and so that's, he's very brainy now and cerebral and has been that way since like fourth grade. I do. I don't, the only uh, complaints I ever got from his teachers after like second grade were that sometimes he was a little too sarcastic to where teachers thought maybe he was making fun of them. Like they couldn't really be sure, but like all of that wild energy went away. He ran cross country for a few years and was pretty disciplined about it. And then in high school, he picked up a guitar and taught himself how to play it and has basically played obsessively since. So he's probably played for five years now. Oh wow! And that's his life. And he has a full-time job and uh, he does really, really well. He's very independent. He moved out at 19 into his own place. It just couldn't be different, more different, you know? So- yeah. I know in your video that you made explaining, you know, this viral photo and what happened since you mentioned yeah. that. And I love that you also called out in there, like, it wasn't any magic thing that you did. No, I did everything wrong. There's so much hope and humility in yeah. that. And I followed right. you, you know, as a parenting blogger and writer for a long, long time. And I love that humility and honesty, because when we're in those moments, they feel so critical. Yes. I must yeah. do the right thing. Yes. 
And I'm sure on some level in that moment, um, and I don't really remember much from that wedding because it was one of those where, you know, where you like everything shrinks, the world like shrinks around you and oh, like yeah. everyone's mm-hmm. voices turn into wah, 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 because you're just so like, so not okay. <laughs> um, I'm sure some part of me thought this is a test. Like this is one of those times everyone is watching me to see how I handle this. And if I don't handle it right, my kid is wrecked. And the funny thing is I didn't really, all I did was pick him up and walk away. Cause I couldn't think of anything else to do. Like what else? Right. right, He's right. Ruining the photo shoot. Like what else do I do in that moment besides scoop him up and leave and exit the premises, which I think that's such a common theme for parenting. Like sometimes all you can do is leave <laughs> like yeah. is end whatever it is that's happening. Just make it be over. But was there some conversation I could have had with him to really, you know, drive forth the severity of what had happened, I suppose. Like, was no. there- No, some there's discipline? not. He was, no, you're right. No. There, was there no. some discipline book I could have used up until then? I tried them all. Like, it's not like I wasn't trying. So yes, I, I just think it wasn't anything I did. It was just, he was wired that way. And I also think there was something in him that needed to be channeled and he didn't know how to channel it until he was older. And that's, mm-hmm. so it was just purely maturity until he was able to feel at home in his body and in his mind, nothing I could do. He was out of control yeah. and he knew he was out of, no one likes to be out of control. Right. right. You know? So yeah. Yeah. But you know what you were doing all, a lot of things in this process too. So you were part of this process because you were a safe space for him. He knew he was loved. He knew he was cared for. He knew that, you know, even when he was wiggly and doing these things, you didn't give up on him. And sometimes I think that we as parents forget that all of that is really, that consistency, that solid base is, I think, what's really important. What do you think, Janet? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm also thinking about your story too, Megan, about being a a divorced mom and parenting with that extra layer of uncertainty and out of routine and out of control a little bit over, Mm -hmm. you know, what you, what you get to manage. And I know there are a lot of our listeners out there who are struggling as single moms or as divorced moms. And I wonder what you, what, how you can wrap your arms around them. Yeah. <laughs> like now. <laughs> yeah. And the, and the divorce is relatively um, recent. I think that one of the things that I've learned through it um, is that like, they're not all going to come tell me what they need, <laughs> you know? And sometimes it's very different. Um, I know it's totally a stereotype that boys don't talk to their moms. And I don't find that to be true. Actually, some of them talk to me like more than I would like talking. (laughs) Yes. Like sometimes I'm like, okay, but just the way that they come to me with things is so different and very sweet. And, um, we live in this teeny tiny little house and we got a cat a couple of years ago and I had never had a cat. My ex was allergic. So like one of the first things I did was got a cat. And everyone has been obsessed with this cat. So they, and she hangs out in my bedroom. So one by one, they all come into my room and pet the cat at some point and just lay on my bed and pet the cat. And we talk and it's very low key. And sometimes it's like, sometimes I'll come and find a kid sleeping on my bed with the cat. And I'm just like, I mean, part of me is like, okay, this is my space. Like I need some space for myself. But the other part of me thinks, 
how long are my 14 and 16 year old boys going to want to curl up on my bed and talk to me? And so that's really been something. And even the older ones, um, now when Isaac comes home, he'll come and be like, I guess I like the cat and he'll lay on my bed. He doesn't say a lot, but it's just like this little moment of reprieve that we can all have him. One day, my, um, my son Owen, who's 14 now, when he was about 12 when this happened, he just looked at me and he goes, mom, this cat's the best thing you ever did for this family. <laughs> I thought, well, okay. gosh, I think I've done some better things for this family, wow. but okay. If that's it, I just solved parenting, right? <laughs> okay, Sarah, get a cat. All I really think what it is, is like the excuse to kind of come in here and be close without having, you know, there have to be like a big topic of conversation because often there's not like right you know they don't think they like my son in eighth grade doesn't think his day was that interesting certainly he doesn't there's not much he has to report to me about it but it just gives us a chance to chill out together and and I think that that's something that like just being around and being open to being I don't know like not always happy all the time or trudging through and like just with that face like we're gonna get through this and there is some of that I think as a divorced mom but like I try to also hold on to the parts of me that were uh, more nurturing when I was I had more luxury <laughs> in my life or like the luxury of time and, and that I don't have now. It's, it's not always easy, but. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about By Heart Baby Formula. Byheart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And Byheart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on Byheart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. Byheart is also the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider Byheart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B-Y-H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast. And it is 10% off your first order. Byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer and additional terms and conditions may apply. We all know that vitamins can help fill nutritional gaps in our diet, but a lot of us don't like to take vitamins because we don't like swallowing pills. How do you feel about that, Janet? There's some days that I look at my vitamins and go, yeah, I should take those. I'll do it later. But I'll tell you what's changed. I have gotten easy melt vitamins. I have the D3 and I have the B12s and a multivitamin and I just pop them in my mouth and they dissolve and I don't have to think about swallowing a vitamin. And you don't necessarily need water either to have on hand to get this big vitamin now. Yeah, no, and they taste good and they're sugar-free. They melt quickly. The reason they melt is because of plants not chemicals. Ah, plant-based nutrition. For a limited time only, you can receive a free, free three-month supply of Easy Melt Vitamin D3 with your first purchase. To claim your free D3, visit try.easymelts.com slash onboys. 
That's try, T-R-Y, dot, easy melts, E-Z-M-E-L-T-S, dot com, forward slash, on boys. Yeah, that's been something that's been helpful, I think. I can relate to that a lot. And we've talked about it before, Janet. We've called it, um, I think it was based on that New York Times article, the potted plant method of parenting, where there's, especially as your kids are are teens, there's so much to be said for just being there and being available. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, like you said, your eighth grader, he's not going to come home and be like, oh, mom, hey, mom, and start telling you (laughs) all this stuff. It doesn't work that way. If he's randomly in your room petting the cat and you happen to be there, conversation might happen might not but he also knows that that's a place where it could happen if he really needs it to yes yeah opening and i think a lot of moms that i work with in my coaching practice are craving these deep meaningful conversations with their boys Mm. and it's it's so hard to say you know what not gonna happen (laughs) oh thank you you said it i don't have to say it Thank you, Megan. It's not. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it doesn't. But you know, every, there are glimmers. So like I have one of my sons, um, my middle child, and he's like the most stereotypically middle child. Like he's super reliable, but kind of always like has that everyone forgot about me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a little bit, which nobody ever does. He's very funny and he's, he's definitely extroverted. But anyway, he, he will do things like over-exaggerate his grumpiness as a joke, I think because he wants me to ask him things. So he'll be like, Oh, I'm just so grumpy. It must be my hormones. I want to punch a wall right now. And the way he's saying it is super sarcastic. But then I'll say, oh, well, gosh, why are you feeling so grumpy right now? And he's like, well, this guy, I liked this girl. And then my friend totally is going out with her now. And it's awful. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, you're telling me something. But it all was like, he kind of had to lead into it with being sarcastic. And then I had to kind of act, like I had to pull it out a little bit, but in this almost jokey way. And he's the only one who does it that way. Like they all have a slightly different approach to opening Mm -hmm. up. Um, And it's like, you just have to be kind of tuned into what their specific way of being, being and and talking to you is. And no, it hardly ever looks like anything deep. That was about as deep as it's gotten, but at least I know what's going on. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Sarcasm and joking, I think are like a second language that as a mom of boys, you have to develop a certain fluency in. Mm Mm-hmm. You kind of have to be willing to be the butt yes. of the joke sometimes. And I don't know if you guys, if you've ever experienced this, but like I have sometimes had to say, hey guys, you guys are all so funny. And when you all get ribbing each other, it is hilarious. But sometimes you hurt my feelings. <laughs> like, like sometimes you just take it a little too, like the whole classic mom, I can, ha- I can handle a little of that. Like mom is so inept. Mom doesn't know anything. That's funny up to a point, And then it just hurts my feelings and you need to stop. And they're just like, oh, <laughs> I have had that happen. Um, This was maybe about a year ago and the kids were going on and on and doing their thing Mm -hmm. and they got around to homeschooling and Megan, I'm pretty sure, you know, we homeschooled for a while and some of our listeners know that too. And so they were, they were ripping on that and on the whole stereotype of, you know, homeschooling kids are not, are antisocial and whatever. And they just kept going further and further. And as a mom, like I homeschooled for seven and a half years. I gave seven and a half years of my life to doing that because I felt very strongly and very deeply that I was nurturing what they needed at that point in time. It wasn't that I thought I would love to spend my days homeschooling as much as I saw they needed things. Mm-hmm. And so when they're ripping on that, like like you said, Megan, that just hurt. I mean, yeah. you're 
I don't think you mean to tell me you just wasted nearly eight years of your life. And, <laughs> right. But that's what you're saying. And I right. got upset and I, I left the room. I went up to my room, closed the door, took some time. And I think they kind of needed that. When I came yeah. back down, then they, they recognized it and they dialed back a little bit. And then I even got like, they tossed me a bone, you know? If it wasn't for the homeschooling, I probably wouldn't be as interested in, and I forget what he said. Right. But, but they were able to recognize that. And that's great. Like that's some emotional intelligence. Right. Yes. Important. And it's yeah. important to say, hey, you're hurting my feelings. You just right. went a little too far. Right. You're hurting my feelings. It was fun five minutes ago and now it's not right. fun. So stop it. Yeah. Right. And that's something they need to know about life. Like exactly. the best part of humor is knowing when to stop. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah, they all need those limits. Right. Sure. And because they're boys, they're going to find them by jumping across those limits exactly. many, many times. Yep. Taking a pause to give you this quick reminder about the Boys Alive Clubhouse. We've just opened the doors to this online virtual retreat center. It is a community that supports you with resources, classes, real-time connections, both online and in-person, and it's hosted by me, Janet Allison. You deserve support. No more going it alone. Together, we can continue the important conversations that help us all become better equipped to confidently raise caring, healthy, capable men. Enjoy a one-month free trial. Just go to members.boysalive.com. That's members.boysalive.com. Now back to this week's episode. We're going to circle back to this viral photo one more time. Sure. Okay. One of the things we talk about a lot on here, because it's on every parent's mind, is, you know, kids and social media and the internet and devices and how do you teach them responsible use and keep them, I don't know if you can see my air quotes, keep yeah. them from doing stupid things on Instagram and Snapchat. And you, as a parent, have lived your life online. Yes. In a lot of ways. Yeah. So did that experience help you guide your kids? Do you use it as sort of an illustration? Like, Hey, look, I put this photo out and I can't control where it goes. Yeah, it's for sure. That's, I mean, I think because I've been online and I've been online for a very long time. Like when I was early, um, like an early bulletin board user, forum user, I was early to blogging. I was one of the first people to jump on Twitter. Like, like I've always been kind of like interested in not the tech side, but the communication possibilities. Um, so I've really came, I came of age as an adult in that world. And so I think in some ways it's demystified that for me. Um, it's also made me less platform specific about the way I feel about kids and social media. And by that, I mean, every day there's a new platform we're all supposed to flip out about. Mm -hmm. And I think because I've been through so many incarnations of that, like I know the kids are always going to know a little bit more than me about what the platform is and how to use mm -hmm. it and how to, if they don't want me to find them on this stuff, they can absolutely find a way that I will never find them on this stuff. Like it is so naive to think that I can track every move they make online. So I've really focused more on um, safety and just character. Like who is the person that you want to be in the world? And like that has to apply everywhere in the world. And my public, my social accounts are all very public. Like I don't have, I don't make, I make hardly any of my Facebook pace, um, posts private or to friends only. 
I just feel like for me, if I'm going to put something out there, I need to act as if or assume it could end up in anyone's hands at any time. So that's kind of how I behave online. And that's what I've shown them and modeled over the years. And I'm like, Hey, if you guys, you know, for the, my 10 year old daughter, she just got on Instagram. I finally let her, her account's going to be private. She has no common sense. Like she doesn't, you know, people will, she's like, Oh, there's this person who lives in, you know, Australia who wants to be my friend. I'm like, no, that's not, <laughs> that's not true. Like just keep it to your actual friends and family. But the boys, like they're going to be out in the world. And, and where would there be like the time where suddenly I like cut the cord and let them go free. Like to me, it's got to be this gradual, like laying off and up, like lifting restrictions. A lot of our talk around social media use is really more about politeness. Like, please don't have your phone out at the table, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Put it away. Don't be that kid who gets caught with it in class when you're not supposed to have it. Like those kinds of things. But I really, I have really, and, and maybe to my detriment, maybe one day I'll say that was the wrong choice, but I've really just decided not to monitor my kids' online behavior super closely or worry a ton about whether they're on TikTok or Snapchat or whatever they're on. Like to me, the platform is almost irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they can find ways to get in trouble no matter what, like no matter what they have access to. So, exactly. you know, so that's a very long winded way of saying, eh, I know. <laughs> that's what I do <laughs> for the same exact reasons. Yeah. Um, because, like you said, I mean, as a former teenager, yeah, they're going to find ways to do things. Yes. And so what I hear you saying is that as a parent, really you're choosing to focus on the basics, right? Right. Yeah. Safety, politeness, character. character. Right. Yes. <laughs> These are all the things that really, if we're going to focus our energy on anything, focus on those big, big things And some of the details, I don't think we really have to worry all that much about that. Yeah. Well, because they can take that with them. So if they know those three things, then, you know, next year when they invent something where like they can beam thoughts right into your brain or whatever that's going to happen, or we all live in a virtual reality world or whatever happens, they'll take those things. Oh, wait, we're not? (laughs) We're the matrix, I guess. I don't know. They have a theory that we're, we're not real people. So I don't know. But yeah, those things, those things, no matter what, it's just not plat. It's like platform agnostic, right? It's like, it goes across all, no matter what they can get their hands on, they'll know what kind of people they should be in that environment. Well, and there's a flip side to this too. And that's the, the, parents, and I'm going to go out on a limb here and say mostly moms, who are tracking their child's every move on with phone location. And it is heightening stress levels Mm -hmm. in parents. And, you know, your kid's going to be where your kid is. Hopefully you've done all of this education and values, and this is, you know, how you are in the world. And if your kid's on the other side of town and he's not supposed to be, what are you going to do about it anyway? And it's just going to increase your stress level, which means that when you come back together with that child, you're already in a heightened state of, I'm going to wring your neck and why are we there? And so that's cutting across the connection that you want to keep open with your child or your your tween or your teen. And so I think it's also really important. So I love your perspective of teaching to the foundational values and letting go of some of the really ins and outs of this platform or that platform, but but to recognize the stress level that we're causing ourselves as adults who are hovering. Can't like, can't a parent get a break sometimes? I mean, think about like, 
if we live in a world where we've eliminated all plausible deniability, <laughs> like from our kids, like we can't just believe they're where they say they are and maybe just choose to believe that for the night, whether or not, you know, it's absolutely true. Like we have to know everything. And then once we know stuff, we have to act on it. Like you said, yeah. Janet, like, what are you going to do? Well, now that you know, you have to do something. Um, and that's, I think like that's parenting for you right now. In a nutshell, we know too much. And then we feel like we have to do something about everything we know mm -hmm. from like what grade they got on the test today to where they are right now, to what platforms they're using, to what they texted to their friend. Like, it's not like my parents were in my locker eavesdropping on the conversations I was having exactly. with my buddies in high school. Right. But now it's all happening in text. Yeah. And we think we are obliged, like obligated, not just have the right. I think I have the right to anything on my kids' phones and they know that, but I don't feel obligated to look at it. It's, yeah. That's a very different thing. Yeah. So, Your point yeah. about how we feel like we have to respond and react to everything is so on point and so true. And Janet, like you said, I think that is why we are more stressed perhaps yeah. than before. I'm going to include a link to your helicopter parenting and bulldozer parenting article oh, yes. in our show notes yes. too, Megan, because in this, she wrote this and she's talking about how, you know, in schools, parental involvement is the yes. key factor in your child's success, which has then turned into, we all have these parent and grade portals. And so yes. like you just referred to, you feel like you're supposed to watch your kids' grades all the time and yeah. then do something about it. And I'm <laughs> yeah. not at all convinced that's helpful or healthy for yeah. most of us. Yeah. And it, it really does become like, if a little bit is good, then every, then absolute, you know, monitoring 24 seven must be great or the ideal. And that's really what we're absorbing. And it's, it's just, it can't be really done. <laughs> like we all right. have lives and jobs and other things going on too. So. But it adds to the stress and I, 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 your word monitor, you know, we, yeah. when my babies were little, I didn't have a monitor. I couldn't hear what they were doing in their bedroom. I couldn't see what they were doing when they were sleeping, which meant I could check out and also get some rest. Right. And yeah. so now it's like, ooh, listen to the baby monitor. Ooh, watch the video. What are they doing at two o'clock in the morning? Right. Oh my gosh. It's too much information. Too much information. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the two words I have often used to describe my parenting style is benign neglect. I love that. <laughs> it gets to this idea, like certainly I don't actually neglect my children. They are fed, they are clothed, they are sheltered. And I am generally aware of where they are, what they're doing and what's going on. But I don't need to be involved in all of those no. details. That's their job. And, and you know what? Bad things happen and yeah. people make bad choices. And that is like they're human beings. Um, you know what I mean? Like we can't save them from everything or for themselves by, by watching closer. That's not how this works. Yeah. And part of that too is trust. Mm -hmm. It is about yeah. trust. You're trusting your kids to keep themselves safe and have character and be polite on the internet. You know, you're trusting your 10 year old to be out in the garage with all the lawnmowers, Jen. That would be mine. Right. <laughs> and they feel it. They yes. know if we trust them. They also know if we're questioning their every move and mm -hmm. that doesn't feel good. Did you ever have an experience as a kid where you knew you weren't supposed to do something and that your parents trusted you not to do it? You did it anyway. You didn't get caught, but you still 
learned a lesson from it. Like sometimes trusting someone, even if they don't do the right thing and having them know you trust them and then them breaking that trust and then them dealing with that on their own is every bit or more as powerful a lesson as if you'd caught them. It's so true. Yeah. It's so true, which reminds me, can I tell a little story here? Sure. Of being in middle school, eighth grade, being out in the middle of the night because I was spending the night with a friend, but we were out (laughs) roaming the neighborhood and I cut my foot on like a standpipe or something, which of course in my mind was rusty, but I didn't want to tell my parents and I had this (laughs) slice in my foot the days that I waited for lockjaw to say. Oh, gosh. Oh. And you didn't think you could say anything to your parents? I couldn't yes. say, I mean, and talk about like all that yes. stuff that's going on inside me. The guilt and the, oh my God, I'm going to die because I went against the rules and yep. all of it. It's like so much more powerful than anything my parents could have said. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Learning lessons. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is a great story. It is. As you guys have figured out, we could talk to Megan all day. She has so much insight into parenting and we haven't even gotten into, she, she talks a lot and she's written a lot about, and I know she lives this, like just because you're a parent doesn't mean your whole life is your children. Like Megan, one of the things that I love about you is that you live an adult life as well and you have personal interest. So I highly recommend go listen to her podcast. I know you love us, but we can share you with Megan. Oh, we thank can share you. you. The mom hour. Check that. it out. There's plenty of time for more podcasts for everyone, I think, because you can just listen to them absolutely all the time Amen. while you're doing everything. Amen. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can I just plug another podcast that I just found out about? Cause it's amazing. Sure. Yeah. I want to hear Dolly it. Parton's America. <gasps> yes. I keep hearing that it's great. Oh, Megan. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Cause I just started watching the Ken Burns country music. Oh, that's fantastic. And so I feel like now I, as soon as I'm mm-hmm. done with that, I have to jump over. Yeah. yeah. My 20, yeah. as of two days ago, 22 year old son um, has recommended this one to me as well. So nice. Dolly Parton's America. Yeah. I will check it out. Fabulous. But listen we to the mom hour. Just line up your podcast. Just line up your listening schedule. And to uh, wrap things up, Megan, what has parenting those boys taught you about ooh. boys and men and the oh world? Oh my gosh. I have been very surprised because when I was a little person and then a you know a, a young person who wanted who liked boys. <laughs> I've been very surprised at like really the depth of their emotional lives, really, but you have to look for it. Like that's really the Mm -hmm. thing. I think I just had this idea, especially as a teenager, that boys were like logical and not emotional and that girls were like, you know, super emotional and irrational and that they, and that boys just kind of tolerated girls for sex basically. I mean, I really think I internalized that idea at some point. And now looking at really what boys need and how they really are with each other, with women, with, you know, girls, their age, like, it's just so not that they really are very complex. You know, they, they love and they have emotions and all of those things. And I just don't think, I think it took me having a whole bunch of boys in my life. Um, And then I get the benefit of having those relationships with them, which I think in a way was really, has been very healing actually, as someone Mm -hmm. who's had some tough relationships with adult men, my relationships with my teen sons are much easier in a way and more rewarding. <laughs> just kind 
with that actually, but okay. you know, we could spin that in a way that it sounds utterly inappropriate, but we're not going to do I that. And I'm not one of those weird single moms who like wants my sons to be like my best friends and like, you know what I mean? Like, I know that can be a, a trap and that's not me, but it just, you know, I, I appreciate them. I like having them around. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. I love this. I love um, following you. We're going to include links to all kinds of your stuff in the show notes. And if people want to, to find you, is the mom hour the best place to go to yeah, find all your social the, stuff? Go to the momhour.com. And I'm also everywhere. If you want to ch- um, check out social we have some great social accounts at the mom hour. And then I'm at Megan Francis everywhere. Even on platforms, not yet invented. Exactly. That only <laughs> exist in my mind. Yep. <laughs> Thank you, Megan. This has Thank been a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. We are Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison. And we are here to support you in parenting and teaching tomorrow's men. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.